We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Rock says Cleveland is totally lame. How did this dunk get the Hall of Fame? The Rock has to say all shucks. Because Cleveland doesn't rock. No, it totally sucks. Welcome to the Light Years podcast number 22. We do not have Andy Liu this week. Andy picked the perfect time to go on vacation. There's nothing newsworthy going on regarding the Warriors right now at all. Uh, but thankfully, I got myself a special guest to co-host, a little, little grittier than Andy. Little, upgrade, little high, big little upgrade. High, higher IQ, plays the game <laughs> the right way. Uh, Drew Schiller from Warriors Outsiders. Drew, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, hanging out on this wonderful Sunday morning in the Bay Area. You know, everything is just peaceful in the world. Everything's great. So we're recording this Sunday at about noon. Uh, so as much as I want to turn this into a Raiders-centric podcast, uh, we're recording before that game, so we'll avoid any of those topics. But This uh, isn't a Raiders preview show? <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but, you know, I think the Warriors and... Um, you know, the general country gave us uh, a few things to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with media day. Um, I kind of was expecting the players to make those statements, but uh, you were there. Uh, did you have any idea that they were going to kind of tackle the White House topic then? Or uh, what was your initial read on that before the presidential tweets? Yeah, you definitely knew that uh, this was going to be a day where everyone was going to be asking all of the players. And uh, I mean, as we have seen from from these core Warriors players, Steph Curry, Draymond Green in particular, and then of course the most unintentionally hilarious player in the league in Clay Thompson, 
you knew these guys were were prepared. You knew that they were gonna, uh, you know, be ready to voice their opinions. Some guys elected not to. Dave West, Andre Iguodala, uh, even kind of acknowledged that they had been well briefed on the on the situation and that they were kind of told, hey, if you just want to toe the company line and just say, hey, we're going to talk about this tomorrow morning and then we'll have then we'll voice our opinion. Um, we saw some of that, but Steph stole the show. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He did not hold back. It was as if he was eagerly anticipating getting behind that microphone and letting his feelings be heard. And I mean, I remember some of the quotes that Steph had right after he signed that the massive contract. And he basically acknowledged that, hey, with this kind of money comes added responsibility. And he is no longer going to kind of be a guy who, you know, is a little bit shy when it comes to voicing his opinion on things. And, um, you know, when you have two championships and you're the only unanimous MVP in NBA history, I think it gives you a little bit more confidence to go ahead and speak your mind. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I love the way Steph was, um, wasn't passive with what he was saying, but he was very much himself. He didn't try yes. to be, you know, I, I love LeBron's tweet. You bum will now be the number one insult. I, I send at anyone whenever yes. they annoy me, but, um, you know, he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't trying to be LeBron. He wasn't trying to be, I don't know, Kobe. He wasn't trying to be anyone but himself. He did it in a very uniquely Steph way. Um, and I really appreciated that. I, I, I was thinking about it because the whole time they were talking about how, you know, they had to talk about it with a, within the group. And I almost wonder if Steph was purposely kind of forthright with his comments to elicit that reaction to make sure that, you know, just in case people thought about going to the White House, it, it just would be a non-starter. Do you give any credence to that? Yeah. I mean, Steph's the face of the franchise. Steph is the main reason why the Warriors are in the position that they're in. I think that you would probably agree with that. I definitely. And he, uh, he wants to, along with Steve Kerr, along with Bob Meyer, you know, be the, the guy who kind of sets the tone. And Draymond is, is the energy guy who sets the tone and get, makes, makes sure that guys are playing as hard as possible and are held accountable. Steph is, has routinely or historically been more of the uh, leader by example, but now he's just coming out of his, uh, his shell a little bit, and you can just tell he looks comfortable. He knows his stature, and it's not that he didn't – it's not that he wasn't confident before, but now you just see this, this – he's just walking around like he knows how much power and influence he has, and he is, I really think, relishing that opportunity. Um, to be the guy who who stands up for injustice and uh, it's I, I mean how awesome is it though that like the Golden State Warriors used to be a laughing stock franchise are literally now like setting the public discourse for the like the entire NBA and to be honest a lot of just sports in general I mean people are following the Warriors lead now no I think it's uh I think it's awesome um we should we should pull up some of the things Steph said. Actually, let's yes. let's fast forward a little bit because by now everyone saw the president's tweet. Everyone the who? saw the who? Uh, the POTUS. You, you mean know, Trump? That is correct. Okay, I I I just refer to him as Trump or bum. <laughs> you bum. You know you hash, bum. hashtag you bum. Everyone saw you bum's tweets, um, and then obviously everyone knows the Warriors have now come out and said, you know, okay, we're not going to the White House just in case anyone was unclear on that. So we're beyond the 
you know, we'll talk about an episode and everyone kind of got to voice their opinions on Saturday. Um, I actually, I want to transition to Steve Kerr. I think Kerr and Draymond kind of echoed what I think was the most powerful thing in reaction, which was they really did try to, to, to make it clear this isn't a left versus right thing. This is a general human, human, di- human dignity thing above yes. anything else. I mean, Kerr, Kerr mentioned it when he said, you know, I've been, uh, I've had the pleasure of going to the White House under Reagan, Bush, Clinton, uh, George W. Bush, and Obama, which by the way, he really, he's been to the White House for 30 years, basically. Seriously, <laughs> how many different decades? Talk, he re- that's just a good reminder of just how many winning teams he's been involved with. You kind of forget about it. Like even all the way back to Arizona, he was, you know, on Final Four teams. But you know what's funny? Teams. I'm trying to remember, wh- why did he get to go to the White House for during Reagan? Um, because of his dad. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, we don't need to get into that, but obviously his, his dad was um, assassinated in Beirut and as a professor, and I'm sure that's that's probably why. But either way, he's had kind of – he's had a lot of perspective on a lot yep. of different politicians of different ideologies. And he even put it, I didn't necessarily agree with all of them, but it was an honor being their presence and the respect for the office. And that's, that's basically what it comes back to. It's, you know – I remember the Lakers going with George W. Bush and ba- and the Spurs and whoever. And I'm sure a lot of them had issues with, let's say, the Iraq War. We don't need to get into it. But there wasn't this overlying... Why are you getting soft? You don't want to get into these topics? I was ready to talk politics all morning. <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been told to tone it down. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's, uh, that's sage advice that you received. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Either way, I don't want to go into um, that. But my point is... Whether you agree or disagree with someone's politics, they didn't come across treating people of different ethnicities, different genders as second-class citizens. There wasn't an overarching, you are not American, which is the rhetoric we've been getting for the last, well, since the beginning of Trump's campaign. Yeah, since 2015. And that's really what it gets to. Um, Draymond echoed the same thing. He says it's not a Republican or Democrat thing. Um, it's, you know, I, if it was another Republican office who, you know, treated people with dignity, I would go. And I think that's the overarching thing. And I, and I like that the Warriors took that angle at it because ultimately they're still, they're still a company. They still have to consider the fact that, you know, they have fans who stem all political, you know, preferences, right? Yep. There's a big spectrum. So they need to make it clear this isn't, you know, this isn't about some niche, niche political point of view. This is this is about human dignity and respect and just, you know, generally respecting everyone's point of view. There are a gazillion different ways we can go with this. So let's just try to hit as many as possible. So you mentioned, you know, Steve Kerr saying this is a human rights thing. He acknowledged that this is not ordinary times that we're in right now this is this is completely unlike anything that he's ever seen um he has talked about how this is probably the most divisive time in our uh nation since the vietnam war and steve acknowledged that he was really little when that was going on and so now he's an adult and really is 
understanding uh, everything that's going on. Uh, you mentioned the Warriors; they're a business. Yes, they must. Uh, they must kind of stay on on brand, and they understand that there's a lot of corporate sponsors involved here, and it's all just a part of the process. And that's why the Warriors, um, you know, thought so long and hard about this because they didn't just want to come out and um, completely alienate any people. They want to show that they are respecting people's opinions and having uh, inclusive conversations, and that's awesome to see. Um, changing a quick tangent here, by the way, when you saw LeBron's tweet, did for a second you think he was maybe calling Steph Curry a bum? Uh, the first time I read it, I was like, you bum Steph Curry. I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then I read the whole thing, and then I um, uh, looked at it, and I'm like, oh, he literally just didn't have another character to put a comma in there. <laughs> hey, man, grammar, punctuation, it matters. It can change the whole meaning of something, because that's what I thought initially, which I was, I kind of laughed at. Um, another thing that's, that Steve Kerr said that, uh, that I laughed at, I was reading a, a piece this morning, when he said, if you want to be an NBA coach, you need to be prepared to be criticized. You know of, uh, you kind of know that going in. If I coach poorly and we lose the game, I hear about it. Run People more pick going... and roll, Steve. <laughs> exactly. People are going to take shots at you, and it's incumbent upon you to absorb those shots. And the first thing I think of when I read that is, yes, Mr. Sam Isfandiar certainly at times gets a little frustrated with these <laughs> rotations and the lack of pick and roll for Steph. So uh, he, of course, was saying that in the context of, when you're in a position of power, of power you okay. have to understand that people are going to attack you. How many times did President Obama deal with criticism and he just didn't even address it? It just – I mean every once in a while he'd make some sarcastic comments, but um, the guy who's in charge right now, not, not even close to the same kind of temperament. And I'll take it even beyond uh, Obama. I can't think of any president in my lifetime, and I'm, I'm 32, so I, you know, I haven't been around that long. Or maybe I have been around that long, depending on your perspective. But um, uh, I can't really think of anyone more thin-skinned and just, you know, it's like it's Kaepernick was is exercising First Amendment rights. You don't even have to agree with what he's protesting. Just acknowledge the fact that that's literally the fabric of our Constitution and kind of what America stands for. You can protest peacefully. That's all. Well, that's the key word, peacefully. Exactly. Yeah, we can. We, you know, I'm. I'm. You can. You can disagree with him. Yeah, I. I would disagree with you to disagree with him, but what, whatever. That's not really what we're talking about. The point is, he has the right to do that. It's not really that controversial. And then you got this guy coming out here saying he should, you know, he, you know, calling him a son of a bitch and stuff like that. It's just it, saying they should be fired. Yeah, it's just like I'm. I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, it, like this. This doesn't even feel real. And it's, no. it's all too real. So, Yeah, I mean, Steph, Steph even said that on Saturday morning. He said it was very surreal to wake up and see him uh, in a president's tweet. And uh, he also acknowledged that it's, you know, it's interesting that, uh, that Trump is willing to call out certain people, but not other groups. And then he even pulls the, I think I know why. And, uh, yeah. you know, we're not going to go down that road. You know, but, I, do, uh, I do think it's interesting Um a lot of athletes, a lot of NBA players have uh, been pretty open with their criticism of, of Trump before, yep. before Steph. 
But the minute Steph made a comment about it, he had to counterpunch. And I do think on, on a different note, that just kind of shows the level of, of, of fame, of power, of, of kind of position Steph's in. You know, I don't think he's counterpunching to, I don't know, you know, it, let's say David, David West had some very strong comments about Trump during the season. But David West is a bench player. He's not getting Trump's attention. The way Correct. Steph Curry is. Correct. So it goes back to your point about Steph really being in a position of power and really being kind of someone who can, realizing he's someone who can shape public discourse. You know what else is uh, I found funny about uh, Trump's tweet is just to, in case, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is, has seen it, but going to the White House is considered a great honor for a championship team. Stephen Curry is hesitating. Therefore, invitation is withdrawn exclamation point. So then when I see the Warriors send out, a, you know, their statement saying that, you know, clearly we have been um, disinvited, although I guess they never actually were invited to begin with. So there's another fallacy in Trump's tweet. But for a second, are you saying I, he lies? Um, yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Uh, plural every Bold. day, all day long. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not many people uh, realize that. Um, for a second, I thought that maybe Trump was just withdrawing the invitation to Steph and that it wasn't necessarily the whole team that has been disinvited, but it's just because Steph is hesitating because he didn't, he didn't specify that it was the Warriors who uh, have been disinvited. Yeah, he still wants to see Zaza. No. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it was – I mean <laughs> – it was it was uh, poorly worded, but that's that's par for the Shocker. course. Yeah, <laughs> um, I will say, let's let's transition off of this. the The shittiest part about this being um, the main topic, and I don't want to say it, it's an important topic, and I'm glad it's come up, and I and I like the way the Warriors have handled it, and I like the way actually most sports organizations handled it. I haven't actually seen a team uh, come out yet and kind of like bungle it fully you know like everyone's come out with a generally respectful statement and stood up in the face of what's a generally deplorable statement by the president deplorable the deplorables you yeah. said it not me <laughs> um it did distract from clay's comedy on media oh my goodness can we can we can we recap this can we have a little fun with clay let's Play. do it i mean that's so, all clay is so Clay, while taking pictures, sees Zaza dribbling the ball. And he says, Zaza, you don't need that. Just go work on setting some screens. <laughs> that, was, that, that was the highlight of media day for me until we got into all the uh, political stuff. Right. But I was just cracking up at that. There were some other Clay zingers. Uh, I don't know if you remember them. You, you were there with him. You know, we were kind of running around, so I, I wasn't able to be in one spot to hear everything that was going on. Um, I saw Clay for, for a second kind of after everything uh, had calmed down, but we just said hi real quick. So I, I really didn't hear everything he said, but it doesn't surprise me that he takes a shot at Zaza because those two have just kind of become like the, the most unassuming friendship on the team. I really wish someone would make a reality show starring the two of them. We don't need this LeVar Ball show. We need the Zaza Clay show. We do, and we don't need the JaVale and Nick Young show uh, to come back. You know, that, that's already run its course. We need Zaza and Clay. I mean, it makes sense. Their first names both have four letters. Uh, they're, bo they're both 
they're both unintentionally hilarious. Correct. Um, so that this was the uh, the highlight of the clay show when they're asking about their China trip, and if you watch the video, uh, Clay's chest kind of puff, puffs out when he's talking about China. He just has he just he's just so happy that they get to go back and he gets to be the kind of the the cultural attaché for the warriors to China. Like they're well, he going, even said they're going like, to they his need, turf. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. He was like, if they need to, uh, if they need a translator, I'm there for him. <laughs> Oh, China Clay, and easily the summer MVP. That is how oh, you celebrate yeah. an offseason. Well, and then remember, I, I believe it was an interview that Clay did with Angela Sun, uh, who does the in-game stuff for the Oakland A's on NBC Sports California. Right. And she was talking to him about his trip to China, the, which was uh, where China Clay was born from. And he, he literally said, yeah, I only know about three or four sayings, and one of them is, you are beautiful. <laughs> and he says this to Angela on live Yeah, leans in with a smirk. <laughs> exactly. And now he's saying that he can be the the translator as if he actually knows any Chinese. Clay really, Clay really is just just the goal. He he his other his other great quote when they were asking about China is like, oh, I, I forgot the internet existed until everyone yep. started sending me videos of you know the donkey mask. <laughs> That's so, when it all started, right? When he just got rejected multiple times on that 360 dunk. Yeah, that was the initial one, and then people started deep diving into um, uh, into what he was doing in China. And credit to the uh, the sleuths on Twitter who are able to navigate uh, Chinese websites and are finding all these funny videos of Clay like dancing in shoe stores, and obviously uh, everyone remembers the video of him dancing in the club. Oh, just yeah, having a that's, great time. <laughs> that's 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 the poster of China Clay right there. Him him dancing around. And then did you see Steve Kerr's comments about Clay about how if he could go back and kind of redo his life, he would be Clay because Clay has it all figured out. I mean, who wouldn't? Nothing nice. bothers him. He he you know he's a, he's a great basketball player. He enjoys what he does. He he has a great life off the court, and he never gets involved in BS. It yep. just, he just, he just kind of chills. He really is the definition of like a SoCal bro in some he, ways. He's the, you could not in a lab create a better sidekick for Steph Curry and the Warriors than Clay Thompson. I mean, it's just like, it's straight from a, uh, it's straight from a movie. If you were trying to be like, okay, we need to, we need all of these different attributes to be the guy who plays alongside Steph. Like Clay Thompson is that guy, and it's just, and and now he also is coming out of his shell, and he's only twenty seven years old. It's just, it's awesome. Big year for Clay coming up. Just expecting expecting him to catapult off this preseason China China trip and average thirty five a game. Thirty five, okay. Yes, just just every other week he's going to drop sixty and three quarters. It's coming. <laughs> twenty nine minutes. That's all he needs. Real quick basketball actual content conversation possibly uh do you think that clay what do you think he does this year in terms of like becoming an even better player um i don't think so i don't think that's going to be something like oh wow clay's got handles and he's you know crossing people up like he's prime allen iverson or something like that i just think uh he's 
he's going to get subtly better at the things he does. I thought his playoff defense was the best I've seen him ever defend for an extended period of time. And I think that should, should only improve. Um, Maybe we won't see it every game in the regular season. Um, It's, you know, they probably are not going to play with champ, you know, finals focus against Orlando on a Tuesday. That's just reality. Right. Uh, But I think that, and I think, uh, year two with KD in the offense, with Zaza, with um, a, you know a bunch of new pieces, he'll he'll get a little more comfortable at getting to his spots, and um, I expect that three point percentage to kind of both him and Steph to uptick a little bit. They both had some uncharacteristic slumps last year, and I mean everyone's gonna slump at some point during eighty two games, but they both had some prolonged ones. Clay actually in the playoffs had a prolonged one. So yep. I kind of just think um, as uh, as they play more games together, you're just going to see uh, things be a little second nature. Like Clay knows what he needs to do, but just those little subtleties about like KD knowing exactly where to pass the ball as opposed to thinking about it. That's the sort of stuff that will, you know, get you a cleaner shot, a little more in rhythm. And that's how you see like percentages uptick a little bit. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at his stats from last season compared to the 73 win team from the year before. I mean, he in 2015-16, he was 22.1 points per game. Last year, he was 22.3 points per game. His rebounds, his assists, the steals, I mean, pretty much every stat across the board, even like field goal attempts were nearly identical. His overall field goal percentage was nearly identical, but uh, the three-point shooting was down one percentage point. And like you mentioned, just with the film, the familiarity in the offense and with Kevin Durant now being fully acclimated already. I mean, Steve Kerr and everyone has said that the Warriors are going to be even better uh, this season compared to last year. And it's, it's crazy to think about, but it's actually true. Um, who knows if the record will reflect that because there could be games where, um, you know, certain guys get rest nights, although that is something else that the coaching staff's going to have to navigate because of all the new rules that are apparently going to be uh, implemented when it comes to resting. But yeah, when it comes to clay, I just, you're right. It's not going to be anything that is just like incredibly noticeable. It's just going to be small, little subtle things in his game that are just going to continue to be polished even more. And, uh, then comes, of course, the obvious question, which we don't need to go into, but, you know, is Clay Thompson here for, for more than two seasons? We'll see. Yeah, my, um, it's fun to kind of think about, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, is he going to sign the extension, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is I, I kind of think no one really knows what's going to happen until we get to next offseason, or sorry, two off seasons from now. Um you know, things kind of change on the fly. Like right now, everyone, let's just, let's just look at LeBron, for example. Everyone assumes he's going to leave. Who knows what's going to happen in 12 months. He's, he's shown us multiple times. He, um, you know, he changed his mind come the last minute, right? We saw a bunch of players get traded this offseason. Uh, it's kind of hard to project how it's going to play out. Impossible. In 12 months, impossible. let alone we're talking about like 21 months right now. I mean... So, Sam, if the Thunder get off to a bad start, and this is probably a good segue to talk about Carmelo, but if the Thunder get off to somewhat of a bad start and Sam Presti and everyone starts to question the fit with everybody involved, the the Thunder might try to trade 
not all three of the guys, but one or two of them. Yeah, I mean, particularly since like, uh, PG and Mello can opt out. Uh, they, and, they would be and, they would be foolish to not try to get a return if let's just say. I don't know. Let's say Russ, Russ just had a knee proceed. He had what the PCP, which is minor and he should right. be fine. But let's say he misses 20 games because it becomes a bigger thing and they start out poorly. And by Mello PCP, doesn't... do you mean, sorry? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is not smoking PCP just to be clear. I mean, this is, you do realize this is me you're talking to, not Andy, right? Yes. Uh, what is, what is the knee? The, the same one, Steph and Bogan. Rich Plasma PRP. PRP, right? yes. I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, it's early in the day. I haven't, you know, usually I record at nighttime when I've got a rhythm going. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't you're got... up like 5 a.m. tweeting about politics and stuff, so. Let's, 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 let's put that aside right now. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's possible, but I, I would say it's highly unlikely that that happens with them, but it is a possibility. You're right. You never know how it's going to go. If you told me in June, Kyrie, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Mello would all get traded, I would have said, um, you know, where have you been drinking all day? Yes. So, uh, You've been doing PCP all day. Exactly. Um, you just, you just never know. It's a, uh, it's a very active league. And it's all, well, according to some people, a result of what the Warriors have done to the league. And uh, it is it is wild to see. Just like the Warriors are, are ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, this discourse regarding everything that's happening with Trump and racial tension in our country. The Warriors are completely setting the pace when it comes to transactions in, in the NBA, even when it's not their own transactions. It is wild. Yeah, definitely. So let's um let's talk about this. So now OKC has Mello, Paul George to go with Westbrook. We're we're no longer gonna hear about how Westbrook has no help, unless of course they miss shots, in which case he'll have no help. Correct. But um, so where do you gauge them in terms of one the West? So where do you gauge them versus Houston and San Antonio? Um, obviously they're tier two behind the Warriors right now. They're the teams who present the uh, the best challenge for the Warriors. And uh, do you think that they can actually knock off the Warriors? Uh, well, first to answer that, no. Do I think the Thunder are better after the Carmelo addition? Uh, I do. Their, their starting lineup is obviously better. But, man, when you look at that roster right now, there is, like, no depth. And we have seen— Why do you hate uh, Alex Albrines? Is that is it? It's not Abrinus. Is Abrinus? I don't. Yeah. See, that's how much I watch him. I can't pronounce. <laughs> clearly, clearly, he's so relevant that I've got his pronunciation down. Exactly. I mean, but seriously though, like you look at Russ, P.G. Robertson, uh, Carmelo, and Stephen Adams. Assuming that's the starting five, uh, Patrick Patterson could end up closing games. Um, you and I tweeted about that yesterday uh, at each other, just in terms of them going small to match up with the Warriors. Although Adams is, you know, very mobile for a guy his size, and he might be able to to be on the floor. But you look at those six plus Ray Felton, who you just mentioned. Not sure if you were kidding about that or if you're serious. I mean, he's a competent NBA backup point guard. He is. He, he is. He was good for the Clippers last season. Uh, then. You, I mean, you start going down the line, and it's like, okay, are they? Is Josh Eustis seriously ready to to take a leap? A guy who's been pretty much playing in the in the G League the last couple of years. Um, 
Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson, uh, who loves Kevin Durant, by the way, which is interesting for uh, <laughs> Oklahoma City fans. Uh, Kyle Singler. I mean, I, I'm looking at, at this roster. Uh, Jeremy Grant is going to have to end up playing a big role for them. So the depth is is absolutely a concern for the Thunder. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it's a, the interesting thing. Everyone's um, kind of ready to proclaim Warriors Thunder Western Conference Final. Oh, hell and, no. And I would love to see that. I think it would just be amazing theater. Uh, it would be the matchup we all want to see, right? It would just be a lot of fun. But as I'm looking at it, I just I don't know that the Thunder will get the two or the three seed. I could I could completely see a case where they could theoretically beat Houston or San Antonio in a playoff series when you tighten rotations, when depth is less of an issue, per se. But they might not even get that luxury because they may end up the four seed because that lack of depth is the type of thing that will drop you games throughout a regular season. Correct. And so, so that's kind of where I'm sitting with them because the Spurs kind of just walk into 60 wins. Maybe they won't this year, but like it's foolish to think that they won't be winning at an elite clip again, right? It, it, I, I'm kind of of the – I'm assuming they're going to win 55-plus until, until they show me they won't win 55-plus. Um, totally agree. And, and then Houston is – Houston's got depth. Houston won 54 games last year without Chris Paul. There's no reason they shouldn't win more this year. Uh, and they, they kind of play a style that's – very conducive to just racking up wins throughout the regular season. So I can see a situation where OKC wins 55, 57 games, which is an absurd total and would be the one seed in the East, and they still end up the four seed in the West. Yep, which could mean it's Warriors-Thunder in the Western Conference semifinals, um, which would be, I mean, which would be awesome. This season, yes. We need Warriors Thunder at some point in the playoffs. And to be honest, I'm still rooting for a Warriors Spurs matchup where Kawhi doesn't get injured in game one. I really do want to see um, that matchup. I think, I think the basketball world deserves that. I think that the Warriors would be highly motivated for that sort of series just because last year there was already talk, you know, about how if Kawhi doesn't get hurt, the Spurs pretty much guaranteed win game one. And then who knows how that series plays out. Do I think the Warriors win the series? Yes. But it, it could have definitely been uh, a six-game series. You, you just never know. Um, the Rockets and Thunder both might get off to slow starts. Uh, they're going to, I mean, assimilating these, these pieces is not necessarily going to be uh, easy. Now, I know some people might argue, well, the Warriors had to incorporate Kevin Durant last year. Why is the, why are these two situations any different? And the answer to that is because with the way that Kevin Durant plays, he was someone who you were able to just kind of plug in in certain offensive sets and, of course, in transition and defensively all that. Not as much of an adjustment, whereas with James Harden and Chris Ball, who's going to be handling the ball late in the shot clock, all that kind of stuff. And then with the Thunder... Is Carmelo ready to acknowledge that he's the third best player on his team? Like, is that? I mean, that that. Has see, to I don't. Be. I don't think that's going to happen. I think in OKC, we're going to see a lot of salty Paul George interviews. Okay. I, I'm almost so Russ is going to do what Russ does, um, and it's mostly good. But that does mean he has the ball in his hands a lot, um, and 
Um, so that and, that's, and if he's playmaking and if he's setting sure. guys up for wide open shots, that's fine. Yeah. So I mean, he's not taking a backseat. It's just not the nature of the way he plays. He's gonna initiate most everything. Um, and then, but then when I look at it, Mello is still a better ball handler than Paul George, and he's more aggressive. So you think Mello's a better ball handler? He's a better ball handler. He's by no means a better player, but he definitely Paul George is a lot better functioning off ball. So I could see a situation where Mello takes more shots than Paul George when he shouldn't. He should kind of be playing more in the flow and, you know, kind of setting guys up a little bit. Hey, but if those shots are catch and shoot where he's open and isn't in ISO situations trying to break his guy down and making things stagnant, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I'm not. But I'm not sure they will be because everyone talks about Olympic Mello, and I mean he was pretty damn awesome in 2012. In two thousand years ago, <laughs> in two thousand one, yes, he was twenty eight, and now he's thirty three. So, I mean, he's obviously not the same player physically, but secondarily, go look at those lineups. He was the worst ball handler on the floor. He was the worst playmaker on the floor. He was playing with LeBron, Chris Paul, Kobe, all guys who are just significantly better initiators than him. So he just did not have the ball in his hands. I don't know that that'll be the case in OKC. Russ is a better playmaker than him. No one will disagree with that. Russ will definitely do that. Outside of Russ, um, I don't know that that's Paul George's game. I've watched a lot of Paul George. I'm a huge fan of his game. He's just not that player, in my opinion. Um, And then Steven Adams, obviously not. Roberson, definitely not. So it might just lead to a situation where Melo is the secondary playmaker, which is Again, different from Olympic mellow or the stereotype of just catch and shoot mellow. Yeah, and when you look at his his percentage from uh, three point line over the last three years in 2014-15, he was 34 percent, then 34 percent, and then 36 percent last year. Now, in his defense, he wasn't playing in an offense that really allowed him to get high percentage looks from beyond the arc. And that's why I am optimistic for him as long as he's willing to buy in and realize that. And I should say, even in that span, he's generally hovered around 40% on catch and shoot threes. I'm sure if you tracked it further to in rhythm catch and shoot threes, he's pretty efficient at those. You, You watch him play. If he gets a trailing three in rhythm pass, you know, the type of shots that Clay gets, he can knock them down at a pretty high clip. Yes, and then you know we're we're clearly focusing on the offense, and when you you know we should be looking at this from a perspective of okay, how does it match up with the Warriors, particularly on the defensive end? And when you look at potential matchups, you know Carmelo will be having to defend Kevin Durant. He'll be having to defend Draymond Green. And so he's going to be challenged on I that. I think he's only going to have to defend Draymond Green. I think against the Warriors, they're going to run Roberson and Paul George. And actually, that's a pretty good defensive wing combo against, to go against the Warriors, at least as good a start as you're going to find. Correct. But Carmelo is still going to have to be extremely engaged on that end. And that is not something that's true. That he, it's not something that he's had to do over the last couple of years, and it's not something that his mindset has ever really had to... Uh, I mean, that's always, never... been, that's always been kind of the thing with guarding the Warriors. I mean, Draymond's not the great, not, not really a scorer, but considering that the Warriors run Steph and Clay off, off of him off screens nonstop, you have to have a guy 
who can switch that. And that's exactly. Not well, and he's also going to have to be sprinting back in transition because Draymond is a lot of times the guy who's bringing the ball up the floor and making the decisions and, you know, initiating the offense. I mean, how many times do we see Draymond catch the ball at the top of the key and, go. and he's just pointing? Yeah. Well, he, he attacks, but he also is pointing and he's directing and he's the maestro out there. And Carmelo, man, he's going to have to really understand that there's nights where, hey, who cares if you only score 14 points? Like, you have to have an impact on the defensive end. you got to rebound. You got to make things tough. And is he at that stage where he's not only physically able to do it, but but mentally? And I'm just that's obviously the biggest concern when when you look at uh, Carmelo being uh, on the Thunder. Yeah, and I'm not convinced he is on either. Um, I don't know about the physical. He's he's struggled with injuries over the past few years, uh, the knee stuff. Uh, but assuming that's behind him asking a player to make kind of like a wholesale change to their mentality in their, is this his 13th or 14th year? It's something in that realm. 2004 to 2017. So this, this will be, be year 14th, 15. Year 14. Um, either way. Oh, 15. The, the point stands. Players don't usually have a wholesale change at that point. It usually comes gradually over time. And he has definitely you know, he's, he's less selfish than he was at 23, which I mean, I should hope so, but it's not like he's evolved himself into being the ultimate team player either. But you still do the trade, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's better than Enos Cantor and, uh, you know, Doug McDermott's fine, but he's oh, not man. the needle. Poor, poor Enos Cantor, huh? <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Preach loyalty gets traded and no one cares. Mr. Mr. Oklahoma. Yeah. And uh, oh my goodness, if you guys aren't aware, he he basically after Durant uh, tweeted out the things disparaging Thunder teammates and Billy Donovan and the organization, he his response was to tweet out, you know, Oklahoma, the Thunder are the most loyal franchise, the best franchise in the NBA, and then boom, he sent out of town. Uh. It's a cold, cold business. Man, it's like it, it's like. Does Andy realize that I'm taking his spot on on this pod? Uh, yeah. Well, you never know. There's there's a new travel ban coming, and it's supposed to reach <laughs> supposed to reach more ethnicities, so he might not be safe. And he's over. Where is he? Right? He's in Japan, Korea. He's, where is he? Uh, both. I I'm not sure which one he's starting in. He's doing like uh, half his time in Tokyo, half his time in Seoul, and I can't remember which order he's going in but um oh, he's gonna find out the news while he's over there as he's trying to get after kim jong-un man Ooh. yeah he we, we sent him we sent him to make peace dennis rodman, <laughs> dennis rodman wasn't available so we yep. sent andy Lou. hey just let andy and uh and rocket man party a little bit together and who knows what might happen i mean it's going to be impossible for for kim jong-un to not have a more favorable opinion of americans after partying with andy there's just no way around it. Correct. Correct. All right. So let's, um, so I, I want to get back on final thoughts on this Thunder team. So you, you still think they are the fourth best, they'll finish fourth in the West? Um, I think that there's a chance that they finish in the top three. I think if anything, they'll bump out the Spurs. Um, I know that I've said that the Thunder and the Rockets might have, uh, 
some rough times at the beginning of the season, whereas the Spurs may be able to just keep the the machine going and still just, might. It's an auto drive. Just exactly. win, win seven out of eight over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kawhi could end up being even better and being the MVP of the league. I don't – look, it's a win-win in terms of doubting the Spurs because if this is the year where I say, you know, the Spurs, I think they're really going to fall off and be the four seed, then, you know, you look smart. And if the Spurs end up being the second seed and are awesome again, then it's like, so what? That happens every year, and everybody's wrong about them whenever they doubt the Spurs. I'm just not sold on LaMarcus Aldridge, who basically is in a contract year. Uh, he could end up getting even more frustrated. Pau Gasol is back on a disgustingly terrible contract. Tony Parker is going to be out for a while. They lost Jonathan Simmons. And Tony, wasn't, Tony wasn't particularly good before. The, like he was showing, He'd been showing signs of age for a while. So coming off a serious injury at what he'll, at 35, it's, it's not promising that he comes back a productive player. Correct. And you lose Jonathan Simmons. You lose Dwayne Dedman. I mean, they need DeJounte Murray to take a huge leap. Uh, Patty Mills just got paid, and you never know. Maybe he gets paid and uh, has a little bit of a, of a fall off this year because he finally got his big contract. I'm not saying that that's the kind of personality that Patty Mills is. He's not Eric Dampier. I no way am I saying that. Um, but yeah, I'm just not a hundred percent sold on the Spurs. So yeah, I think the Thunder could finish in the top three. In fact, I think when I give my final predictions, I think I'll say Thunder three, Spurs four. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. Um, I think Houston's going to roll out of the gate though. I Do think, you? I okay. think, uh, Chris Paul has been, Chris Paul has been playing with those Houston guys all summer. The beauty of getting that trade done, um, basically July 1st is, and they've had time to kind of mentally integrate it. And they've been, they've been at least playing together. And D'Antoni's system is a pretty easy one for a player like Chris Paul to pick up. So I think it should be pretty seamless. I'm not saying they'll, they'll come out peaking or anything, but I think the growing pains will be larger for OKC, for example, specifically since Russ is already missing a good chunk of camp. And you're trying to get Mello in there, who's not the easiest player to fit into any team. Yeah. Um, I just, I think that has, you know, some kind of, some trap game losses, some just the general confusion you see when you put a roster together who hasn't played together. They're, they're probably most likely to be set up to, you know, maybe start, you know, drop a few games that they shouldn't drop early on. Like and, opening night against the Warriors? <laughs> <laughs> OKC isn't playing the Warriors opening night. Oh, I thought you. I thought you. <laughs> uh, but I think, um, and I think that might matter because I really do think the top four in the West have a chance at all winning sixty games. Oh, so, now that's um, I don't think they will. I just think the depth of it, you'll just see games dropped. But I think they're all. Let me put it this way: If OKC assembled in the East, they would win sixty games. If if any of these teams were in the East, they'd walk to sixty games because of the schedule. Agreed, but they're not. So all I'm saying is I don't I, – I think that they're all – I think the Warriors – the Warriors could walk into 70 wins. So they're on another level than anyone yes. else. But uh, all these teams are elite teams. And in a normal year where you're not dealing with potentially the greatest team of all time, they're all title contenders. Yes, and one other reason why I think the Warriors could walk into 70 wins is because their division, they get to play the Suns, 
Lakers, and Kings for yeah, but Lonzo, Lonzo has taken the Lakers to 50. And to the playoffs, and he's better than Steph Curry already. Yeah, I always forget those points. <laughs> I always lose sight of that. I'm and then the Clippers. Be, I'm going to be so annoyed when the Warriors have their perennial lay an egg at Staples against the Lakers, and then LeVar is just on every – like, LeVar will be on CNN. Somehow LeVar, will find, <laughs> somehow LeVar will find his way onto Bravo to talk about the game. You know, he'll just be all over the place. Your girlfriend will take the remote, and you'll be like, good, I don't want to see LeVar anymore, and she'll switch it to House Hunters, and somehow LeVar will pop up. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be talking trash somehow about how, you know, he's buying property in Steph Curry's neighborhood or something like that. Just oh, to remind Steph. Although, you know, I think that Steph going into that game, that just might be one of those games that he comes in highly – highly motivated and puts a 50 spot on the Lakers. Oh, he's definitely going to do it the first or second time they play the, like the first time plays the Lakers. I expect it to be a welcome to the NBA moment for Lonzo. Yep. Uh, But I'm saying they play four times. And when the Warriors are 45 and seven or something ridiculous like that, and they see LA coming up on the schedule and they're not worried, that'll be the one. And Draymond is going to set some screens on Lonzo that are and Zaza too that are going to be uh, they're going to be ones that are going to be replayed on Twitter over and over and over again. One other thing about the Rockets, real quick. Now that we've uh, gotten the report from Chris Haynes about how the Andre Iguodala contract, uh, all that free agency went down, and Chris Paul apparently just busts into the meeting with Iguodala and the Rockets and just hijacks. Uh, that was that was. God, that feels like so long ago, and that was maybe Wednesday. This week. <laughs> right? That, that story came out this week or that, last week. That is, that is the most Chris Paul story I've ever heard. Been right. on the team maybe 24 hours if so, and decides to quarterback the meeting. Are you therefore a little bit concerned that he may try to hijack possessions and that he may try to hijack game plans and that he wants the ball in his hands? I think that is a later in the season concern. I think they're going to roll out of the gate based on talent and motivation and just kind of the way they play. And I think those little idiosyncrasies where Chris Paul rides guys way too hard for the moment will start showing themselves, let's say in January or February, you know, when like when they're playing the Phoenix Suns and they're on a three game losing streak. Right. And James Harden is kind of going through the motions because, you know, that's kind of the way he plays a lot of the time. Don't hate on your boy, James. I, lo- I love him. He's a laid back guy. He's, he's borderline <laughs> as laid back as Clay. Um, yeah. You know, so he's just going to. Yeah, I think that's going to be the moment where Chris Paul gets someone to snap or where his kind of like every game is game seven mentality will start to eat it, guys. Right. Yeah. I just wonder if uh, if Chris Paul is going to continue to watch some Clippers games and like text DeAndre Jordan and just continue to just piss DeAndre off. Do you think he? Do you think he just texts? Uh, just just texts the the Clippers group chat and just talks trash about Austin Rivers still. <laughs> And they're all like, um, why, why is this group chat still going? You're no longer on our team, man. Yeah, they're going to start a new chat for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right, Drew. I appreciate you coming on. We'll, we'll do it again closer to the season. Can't wait, man. It was, right. uh, it was a blast. And who knows, maybe, maybe we'll even let Andy come back on. 
Oh, yeah, maybe we have to get you on for the Andy return episode where he tells us about his trip. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hear the stories. China Andy. China. Or no, J- excuse me, Japan Andy. Korea Andy. Korea Andy. All right. All right, man. See you later. See ya.